0: What's up, nerds? I'm Pastor Coco, the host of LTN Radio's Zenio Block Party, where I bring you a two-hour playlist of the best Christian rock, rap, and pop from the 90s and 2000s. And in between all the audible awesomeness, I get to bring you some interesting food for thought. Here's what you missed from me this past Saturday. You might have gathered from last week's show that I'm a wrestling fan, but what you may not have figured out from last week's show is that I'm a ginormous wrestling fan. Promos, turnbuckles, frog splashes, headlocks, and everything in between. I absolutely love professional wrestling, and I came by it honestly. Not everybody grows up with pictures of wrestling matches in their family photo albums, but I sure did. That's right, right next to pictures of Grandpa and me on Ronald McDonald's lap at my third birthday party were pictures of The Ultimate Warrior, Paul Bearer, The Fantastics, Jim Cornette, and a slew of others. They were on my local TV station when I was watching wrestling every week, but they were also in my family photo album. But there was always one thing that I heard about but had never seen before, WWF's annual extravaganza WrestleMania. We didn't have access to the channels that aired WWF programming back then, but it was impossible to avoid the phenomenon that was Hulk Hogan, and I instantly became a little Hulkamaniac. So I'll never forget the joy I had when I hit the local video rental place, and I came home with a VHS copy of WrestleMania 9. That's right. My first experience with WrestleMania was one that routinely makes the list of the worst of all time, but it didn't matter to me. As soon as I watched it, I was hooked. It was unlike anything I'd ever watched before. So by the time the Hulkster came out to defend Bret Hart's honor and win the WWF title from the nefarious Yokozuna and his dastardly manager, Mr. Fuji, I was convinced that WWF was the greatest thing on the planet. Now the Hulkster's time in the WWF wasn't long for this world, but my love for it and pro wrestling in general was only just beginning. In the early 90s, the WWF was struggling to find traction following the exit of superstar Hulk Hogan. A parade of colorful yet odd wrestlers based on real life professions were poor replacements for one of the biggest stars of all time. The Goon vs. T.L. Hopper the Wrestling Plumber isn't exactly the same marquee matchup that Hulk Hogan vs. The Ultimate Warrior had been a few years prior. Then 1996 two stars that had actually become popular decided to ply their trade down south in rival company WCW Their departure would not only lead to some of the biggest business WCW ever had, but would also enable WWF to create perhaps its biggest star of all time. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, who wrestled as Razor Ramon and Diesel, ignited a wrestling war by showing up on WCW television under the false premise that they were still employed by the WWF and invading WCW. But before they left, they had one final match at the home base of the WWF, New York's Madison Square Garden. After Nash's final match with Shawn Michaels, Hall entered the ring and hugged Michaels. Hunter Hearst Hemsley also entered the ring, and the four men hugged and bowed to the crowd. The real-life friends wanted to say goodbye to each other as two of them left, but one half of the foursome was portrayed on television as enemies at the other half. The farewell, known as the curtain call, did not go over well. In fact, Triple H reportedly lost the honor of winning the King of the Ring tournament that was to be held the next month. However, another wrestler would benefit from this punishment more than anyone could have ever dreamed. Steve Austin had been floundering as the ringmaster in his first few months with the WWF in 1996, but after an offhand comment from his then-wife, he had taken on the nickname Stone Cold. He was slated to win the King of the Ring, but it was his post-win promo that would set the wrestling world in a new direction. After defeating Jake the Snake Roberts, who had been quoting biblical scriptures and promos, Austin declared that Austin 316 means, I just whipped your... Well, you probably don't. The next day of the WWF television taping, the crowd was full of Austin 316 signs. The fans had spoken, and Stone Cold was the next big thing. Austin would gain traction feuding with fellow future megastar The Rock, but he set the world on fire when he became everyone's favorite antihero, feuding with owner of the WWF, Vince McMahon, who following a contractual spat with Bret Hart, had become the WWF's biggest television villain. Austin would win the title at WrestleMania 14, and as commentator Jim Ross proclaimed that night, the Austin era had begun. Now, there's a whole lot more history that we're skipping over, and we jammed a whole lot into this short little segment. But we'll get down and dirty and nice and nerdy about some of that. At another time. In 2001, the WWF topped the proverbial mountain for good as competitor companies WCW and ECW both closed their doors forever. With the final WCW television show featuring McMahon's son Shane standing in the center of the ring proclaiming he had purchased WCW, setting up a new direction for the company to head. But that was 20 plus years ago at this point, and honestly, the toll of being the only big time wrestling promotion is showing. Runners say that they run fastest when they have someone pushing them to run faster. And for 20 years now, the WWF, which is now the WWE, has had no real competition to push them to be the innovative company that they were once perceived to be. I'm still a huge wrestling fan, but if I'm being 100% truthful, The Modern Project is hard to watch. For one thing, there's just so much of it now. WWE has a three-hour show on Monday night and a two-hour show on Friday night. And all of the pay-per-views, or premium live events, Push four, five, even six hours, and Wrestlemania the last few years has been two three to five hour events on back-to-back nights. I love me some wrestling, but there's just so much of it to take in in order to follow what's going on. In addition to that, everything just seems to follow the same pattern. Somebody comes out, they talk for a little bit, somebody interrupts them, they go back and forth, then they have a match all of a sudden. And all the matches feel the same most of the time, too. A little back and forth, someone crashes to the floor, oh, we gotta have a commercial break. Rinse and repeat. And I want to love modern-day WWE. They have some of the most amazing in-ring talent I've ever seen. Maybe some of the most athletic people to ever wrestle for the company. But it just seems like the freshness of the stories and the ability to make big stars is lacking from the company these days. That being said, there has been one or two stories every year that are captivating enough to make coming back to the show worth it. Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and AJ Styles have all had, pardon the pun, phenomenal runs over the last six to seven years that were really enjoyable. But is it enough to sway this panel of one? Judging by my comments about the two eras, it's probably no secret the way this battle's gonna play out. But in all honesty, it may depend on what metric you're using. As far as displays of athletic prowess, the modern professional wrestling product can hardly be denied. There are guys moving a million miles an hour, and doing more flipping and flopping than politicians at election time. But is that enough to champion their cause? What about money? It's undeniable that the WWE is making money hand over fist these days, but that money is mainly because of the modern state of television rights and the power of their marketing strategies and their position as a global public company, more than because they always put out the best wrestling product. But in the end, the wrestlers and the stories are what is the deciding factor for me. And while, yes, there were some terrible stories while we were growing up, we also got... Austin versus McMahon, Austin versus Shawn Michaels, Austin versus The Rock, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, The Undertaker versus Mick Foley, Austin versus Foley, so on and so forth. But here's the death knell for me. The biggest stars in the WWF in the modern day are the stars we watched growing up. What was by far the best part of this year's WrestleMania? That's right. It was Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling in a ring after a 19 year absence from active competition. And he was just as popular as ever. After almost 20 years of not wrestling a match, he walked into WrestleMania and was instantly the biggest star in the company again. And that's the deciding factor for me. The biggest stars in the company are the ones from 20 and 30 years ago who came back for special appearances or came back to have another run. So for the second week in a row, things were totally better when we were kids. And with that, you are all cut up on what we talked about last Saturday on the Zennio Block Party. Make sure you catch the full show Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, or if you can't catch that, there's an encore at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's the perfect show for the Gen Xers and Millennials, as well as anyone else who wants to just honor the past of awesome Christian music. Until then, I've been Pastor Coco on LTN Radio.